Fire School, the podcast. You're on spin. You are very welcome back to Spin Air Skull and it is that time of the show where we chat to someone who has a fascinating career and this is a lady who has just that. She is an Irish historian, a curator and an author. Dr Sinead McCool, we are so delighted to welcome you on to Spin Air Skull. Thank you very much, Louise. It's great to have an Irish historian on the show and I mean, I'm fascinated by everything that you've done. Uh, just start by telling us a little bit about your job and what it entails. Oh, I, I suppose I have had a really interesting career. I think it's rare that somebody goes to university and studies um, their subjects and still, still is, I suppose, in some ways, like a perpetual student in the best possible way. Um, I, my background would be history and history of art. So I've combined the use of the sort of documentary history with the curatorial practice, which is like putting together exhibitions with pictures and with uh, with content. and. What, what's known in, in the sort of the trade as material culture. So that's just anything from, you know, flyers to uh, posters to, you know, small objects, everyday objects that come in and they tell history stories. So um, it's very, it's great to be able to be working with what's known as primary material or original um, artifacts, as well as being able to write new material. And I've certainly concentrated on women's history and there's been masses of new material and new finds with, with evidence, like documentary evidence, making that story really, really interesting um, and an area to work in at this time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I can't wait to chat a little further about women in history because I know that's a particular area of interest for you. But before we do that, I'd love to just backtrack and maybe ask you a little bit about your own Leaving Cert experience. I'd imagine you were a student who always loved history. Yeah, I used to. I, I used to love um, English and history and art. And they were the, again, so you can see the similarity there. And um, history was one that the subject that I would read. And I, I think some people would find this difficult in, in the sense that, you know, I would read the history book on ahead of my teacher because I was really interested in, in what we were doing. Now, my I, my history teacher in school, I went to Salesians um, in Limerick Fernbank, which is now closed. Um, and my history teacher, um, Jackie Clark, she was very interested in modern Irish history. So my interest then went in that direction. So you're very influenced by the people that teach you on one hand, but you're also interested in, you know, so, so like the idea that, you know, international history. And so as a result of that, I, I, I would have gone to UCD, which was, was more Irish history than if I had done more European history, I probably would have gone the, the Trinity route. So what's interesting about the about my leaving search is, is that it was the year that they were piloting the special topics, but we didn't do it that year because we weren't sure how the, the grades were going to go. And I always sort of regret that part of it because I was very much project orientated and I loved going into a subject in depth. And that's why I suppose in the career it suited me, because what I'm really interested in research is like the finding. It's the sort of detective work. It's the it's the new story. And um, in more recent times, I, I I've been awarded a D-Lit, and that was based on the fact that I could write my history, the 29 years that I'd worked in the area, proving that I had sort of worked to sort of change um, the way that the history was written. And so that was really important to me to, um, to have attained that based on the types of work I've done outside the academic setting. Yeah, really interesting. And I, I love the way that you bring that up, you know, working with different sources of information, because I think um, last week on the show, we had a particular kind of interest around a debate about the Leaving Cert itself being outdated and maybe a little bit archaic. Um, you know, even you say that when you did the Leaving Cert, maybe the structure of the exam didn't suit you or it wasn't really examining you 
in the area of history that you loved most or that you were practically able to maybe write a good answer on. So what are your thoughts on kind of, I suppose, rote learning off sections of history and regurgitating it for an exam? Do you think that's worthless for students? I think it all depends again on how the history is taught. I I think that I, I could see the advantage of teachers having a formula for teaching students to sort of say, this is the way that the, the exam is structured. And I remember being taught um, in my school days and I had a brief stint where I was teaching myself and I remember teaching it to, to another student, the, 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 the simple spider diagram. I mean, um, just to, 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 to marshal your thoughts. And so, so much of the, the teaching now that has changed is, is that it, 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 it's more, um, I suppose, it's teachers giving more um, assistance to pupils so that for the visual learners or for the oral learners or you know and so so I think that that's the change that's improved in terms of people's learning and, and retaining of information I don't actually object to rote learning because I think that if you have history you need to have those facts so it's more for people listening where they have it just don't think about it like rote learning and don't think about it negatively think about it like a checklist it's like that thing that if you can really get that list down and you can say, if I can hit those points, then I've already got somewhere with the story. Because it's almost like saying history is about structure. And um, I always describe to people that history is a discipline and history is about a discipline. So it's not creative writing and it's not storytelling. Yes, it's storytelling, but it's storytelling based in fact. So you need to think of your structure and your scaffold. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And uh, I guess then for yourself, Sinead, you moved into third level and you continued to study history. How did that impact where you are today? Was it was that part of your educational journey? Because obviously you're in a pretty cool job at the moment. As you mentioned, you're working with a lot of modern history and you, you know, do a lot of study with women in history. Uh, do you think that studying history in third level brought you to where you are today or were there other factors? Oh, certainly. I, I was very fortunate in my final year. I, I, I was I was in uh, receipt of a of a, a grant from Limerick Corporation, and my father had died um, the previous year, and and uh, so I qualified, and so that's how I ended up at at university. And one of the things that happened is if you pass all your exams, they would allow you to to have your grant for your masters. And so I did a taught masters in modern Irish history, and the topic that I chose was Lady Lavery and because I had also again done history of art and uh, so what was what was wonderful about that particular topic was that I looked at the treaty negotiations and John Lavery the artist or John Lavery the artist and his wife and how they had worked with the treaty negotiations but it was more social history and it was a really lovely crossover between my love of, of pictures as sort of telling social history stories and also sort of the, the fact-based material that you needed to find and so that stayed with me. I wrote um, a book then in my 20s based on my, my research. And I always remember that the research for my, my thesis was, 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 was not really used for the book. It was all those extra bits that I was able to tell, tell the story. So, so I suppose it was, the, it was the story and the opportunity that I, that I got um, you know, to do that. And I, look, I, I came from a family and my mother was very supportive. And um, of people's talents, you know, and she would always say, you know, you found something, explore this. And, and I so I sort of stayed in more of the, the academic world. And at the time, while I was doing that, I was actually working as a tour guide in Kilmaine and Dale. And then for people who know my work, then that became the No Ordinary Women book and the Guns and Chiffon work and the exhibitions there. So I just found that it was wherever I had an opportunity. And I was very fortunate in those years. While it wasn't 
something like that was clear with big C or it wasn't maybe financially very lucrative. And I sort of still felt very much like I was a student, but in terms of, of you know, loving what you do, being very suited to what you do and being very happy in that. And, and I think what they say um, is that sometimes people can choose lifestyles. So I do say for anyone who's listening there that I've been very privileged. I would love to talk about the fact that you write about females in Irish history and you write about them as heroines, which is amazing. And you really kind of, I suppose, look at the incredible things that women have done. And it's not always an area that's focused on in history or maybe we're not always the sex that get the attention. So I think that in 2020, 2021, we've seen that it is quite a progressive time for women in modern history. For young females that, you know, maybe want to be their own trailblazers and go and try something different and new and innovative. What advice do you have for young women who are creating their own piece of history? Yeah, certainly. I think there's there's a book that was published recently and it says it's a great time to be a girl. And uh, I, I really see that. I, I think that there's great opportunities now. And um, I think that where people were held back in the past, I mean, for some schools that weren't teaching, you know, the science subjects or, um, you know, there were real practical reasons. Obviously there was, there was, you know, there was some jobs that weren't accessible in the same way. And um, certainly now, I think the one thing that we have to understand for the history is, is that women were always trailblazers. That's what we know through history. It's how the history was written and retold to the next generation and who was writing those histories. And so I had a really a great thrill um, last year when I was asked by Folans to be the photograph of the, the woman that um, was the historian in the, in the, in the, in the new, um, school book and uh, again the same reason was because the photograph that had been supplied was an older man and it was what one would have seen traditionally as the stereotypical um historian and so what i think about it is it's breaking down those 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 those, those visuals as they say um in terms of understanding that it, that you can be anything that you want but then that wasn't quite the same way for people before in, in the past. And, and I think that it's an understanding of that. And I'm delighted to see that in the newer history books, some of the, the work that we've done um, on women's history has actually filtered in now into the books. And so you see them talking about the Daughters of Ireland. You talk about them talking about the role of, of coming on. And, and I'm working on a, on, a, on a book at the moment where we're looking at the new material that's coming out of the pension records. And that's changing again. But what do I feel um, about for, for younger women? I just feel that we're, we're moving towards a more equal society. I think that in the future, gender is, is going to not be, it's going to be more fluid. I think that, I think that you know, there will be a time, I mean, it could, be, it could be hundreds of years from now, and I'm not someone who predicts the future, I'm somebody who looks to the past. But I think that, I, I think where you have it for, for women is, is that it's always, to um, remember what's gone before in order to inform what you do. And I see this so much in conversations that I have with my daughter who's in her 20s, when she asks me to look back on what it was like in, in my time. And historians must always remember context. You, you, you're not going to come out with things, um, exceptional people do, but you're not going to come out with something unless you have been informed by someone who's come before. So I think I would really encourage people to always remember when they go into the workplace that it's the best workplaces are intergenerational. So it's not just about women, but it's also about men and women and how we need to pass the baton from 
from generation to generation. Every generation thinks they're the first to say something, you know, that they're active, you know, activists or that they and and I think that we have to remember what I would call it is our foremothers. Our foremothers. I love that. Great advice, Sinead. Um, I've got a few more questions for you. And quickly, I'm going to ask you this one, right? I think you'll agree that we're living through a very historic period of time right now with the global pandemic. I'm sure this will be something that will be long spoken about and remembered. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing that we're living through it, but we are. Um, we've also seen, you know, massive uh, movements this year and last year with the Black Lives Matter movement, the US presidential elections. There's, there's been a lot of historic moments two weeks ago on the show we chatted with financial planner Owen McGee and he gave us this quote he said we learn from history that we do not learn from history oh no absolutely I mean the human's uh, condition is such that you know we uh, we repeat um you know mistakes I think I, I, I like the quote that you know all history is biography so it's all about the people that come together at a particular period in time that actually change what's going to happen and and, and, and again, it's while it's not the same, the, 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 the idea is, is that it's, it's around those, those people who come into leadership. And I think that it's really important to um, not to be despairing, but I, I do feel strongly, obviously, as a historian about the fact that, you know, history is, you know, should be taught. Um, it's really under, under, un, important to understand prejudice, understand where we get, you know, some language from. I mean, everything that you see um, written down has an origin somewhere. And I think that sometimes, with, particularly when we're in this period that we know as the post-truth period, um, when you're dealing with so much misinformation that's not, you know, checked and balanced or, you know, quantified or, or have that, you know, the rigors of the discipline I was talking about earlier where you need to, to fact check. That's why history is so, so important. Because as you said, there are lessons from the past but it's more about how a mindset is, is formulated, how people start having this idea. And so, so often you're trying to, to tell a story, you're trying to make something common knowledge. And sometimes if I'm you know, speaking to groups where maybe they wouldn't have had the same advantages with education that I would have, I would ask them sometimes to tell me, to speak back to me and tell me what they know about a historic character like Countess Margaret or somebody like that. And you'll find that their their version is a mixed match of all these different people. They're feeling, you know, they're getting information in a way that isn't isn't a, a coherent narrative. And then sometimes we're expecting to, you know, to, to to explain things. But I always talk about when I give lectures, particularly in the old years when people would come, I used to always sort of say, look, I'm preaching to the converted. So most people who had come to hear a talk that I'd given had actually read something and wanted to hear me speak, if you know what I mean. And so, so you don't tend to get new audiences often. And that's what I would say. It's really important to be able to have people hear what you have to say beyond your own sort of, what do they call it, your echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, well said. For the history students tuning in this morning, in particular students who are listening because they love history, maybe they're a fan of your work and they fancy themselves as a future historian. Uh, what advice do you have for students who hope to go on to study history at third level? And maybe you know of some careers or areas that are upcoming and exciting and new. Well, certainly, I, I think that 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 I, obviously I would be saying to people if they're looking at at a career. So often you have people where they say, you know, are you going to get a job out of that? Where are you going to be? Is it going to be the fact that it's it's a bedrock for you? And are you going to go on to do other study? And so what I think about it is is that 
you know, traditionally an arts degree as what, what I would have done would have been someone that you would have gone into teaching the exceptional people, the, the, the really bright innovators. And sometimes because they were in a position to do it financially, went on to study the PhD level. That's much more common now. So you do, there are opportunities, but the, the whole academic world is changing. Um, and so what I would say to you is, is that there's lifelong learning continuing. There are places that you can study everywhere from the prison service to vocational education, to adult education. You don't have to teach in the secondary school level or the primary school level or in, well, certainly secondary if you study history. And then if you go on, you can study in, in academia. And then there's the world of what I would describe, what I've been doing, which is, is being the, the practitioner is the sort of the term of it. And so that's in the creation of exhibitions. Now that can be done by people who become librarians or archivists. So on top of your degree, you can top it up like the icing on the cake and you can do your librarianship. And then you, you have the access to all those jobs within the local authority structure. Then you can go on and be the archivist. And then you've got the, the, the opportunities of all the archives that are in businesses and in colleges and all these other places. And then you can do what I've sort of done is which is work in the museum sector and there's additional courses that you can do in postgraduate in museum studies if you're interested in objects and what we do call what I would call stuff or things right so what it is about it is is that your history is just your one layer you know the, the ability to write the ability to argue sometimes you can combine history with politics or you can combine history with archaeology you're never going to be 100% sure when you're 18 or 19 you know, what you are going to do as a career, but your parents and the people around you and the people that love you know your talents and they know what would be the thing that would fit you like a glove. And I think what I'm saying to you is if you are tuning in and if you are listening to me, and if I'm, if you're, if we are a tribe and you can hear what I'm saying to you, they say stick as close as you can to your DNA and find your tribe. I would say to you, if your tribe is with history, you'll always be happy. Brilliant. I love that. And that's a perfect parting note. Uh, Dr. Sinead McCool, it's such a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I guess for people who would love to be part of your tribe, you might just let us know where they can find out more. Maybe buy, support, read your work or even just keep up to date with you on social media. I, I have a Twitter account, my, my name, and um, and I also have a, a website but and uh, for things that I did in the past. And it's just Sinead McCool. And my spe name is spelled unusually with an E at the end. So it's M double C double O L E. So uh, and so if, if anyone wants to find me, uh, I'm sure they can. If they're, if they're good historians and they're good detectives, they'll be able to find me in one or two clicks. I love it. What a pleasure to chat with you, Dr. Sinead McCool on Spin Air Skull. Spin Air Skull, the podcast. To learn more about our other podcasts, check out Spin Online or download the GoLoud app. Spin.